If you've been thinking about starting a podcast and you want to include interviews with people across town, Riverside.fm offers unbelievable high-quality recordings regardless of your or your guest internet quality. And it also gives you separate audio and video tracks for each person speaking. And unlike Zoom, you don't have to install anything on your computer and your guests don't either. Head over to Riverside.fm and use promo code JazzyCast to get 60 free minutes of recording and 15% off a membership plan. JazzCast Pros. Hey world, this is a big day. I am live all the places. This is the 100th episode of Healthy Illness Podcast. I have my girlfriend and producer, Jazzy T. How's it going? Here we are. Here we are. I am uh, frantically sharing the lives on all of my pages as well. So we're going live on JazzCast Pro's Facebook, Jazzy T. Williams' Facebook. Where else? You said LinkedIn? LinkedIn, we, yeah, don't, I mean, yeah, we don't, we don't LinkedIn. <laughs> this is the first time being on LinkedIn. I'm a little anxious about that because in all of the talk about radical transparency, I've never really posted about Front Seat Life or Health Illness Podcast on LinkedIn. I've, I have stayed away from that space, but like what time is better than now to just go out there and do it? You know, this is why Healthy Illness Podcast is so important and impactful because you are willing to try stuff and do things that you are somewhat uncomfortable with in front of everybody. <laughs> like y'all gonna watch me either fly or fail. In either way, it's still okay because you know that's that's life. Exactly for me. For, me, for like so for me, that's life. I don't necessarily you know. I don't want anybody else doing anything that they're uncomfortable with or being in spaces that they're uncomfortable being or like sharing their story and they're not ready to do that. So right. it's definitely interesting. It's 11-11 on 2-11, everyone. This whoop, is whoop. magical. I have been seeing 11-11 so much in 2024, like almost every day, twice a day. Really? And I know that has something to do with like prosperity and great change. So loving it. That's what's oh wait, we are now live on on IG. Yes, I figured it out. So 100 episodes of podcasting. It's been a journey, and you have been there from the very beginning without you. So let me just straight up say though, like, and I know we're gonna do some kind of formalish questions that we talked about, but without you, there would be no podcast. There would be no living the front seat life podcast. There'd be no healthy illness podcast. Like I thought about this for years and just never had the, and I'm techie. Like I love technology. I love figuring out new things. I like, I I love that kind of stuff. At least I used to, I don't know if I'm as techie as I used to be, but I could not get the podcast going. So. Well, why not though? Because this is something that I hear from my clients every time. There's never been a person that's come to me to start a podcast that hasn't said the many months or years that they've been thinking about it. So what is it that goes on in the brain that makes people hesitate about starting a podcast? So for me, it was all of the other things. Like I was doing lives. I was online. I don't think I was really on Instagram too much then, but Facebook lives. I had no problem doing that part of it. It was all of the behind the scenes stuff. Like I wanted to make sure it was connected to all the platforms. I wanted to make sure it was edited because I I mean, I'll, I'll talk to anybody anytime, but I know for a podcast, like it needs to be succinct. It needs to, I had done radio for several years with my my day jobs. So I had no problem talking to myself for a half an hour or talking to people (laughs) for a half an hour. It wasn't that part like that. I think maybe some of the hesitation for other folks, for me, it was the back end work. Like once I, Mm. I know that I have a problem with follow through that, that is. And so no, I think knowing yourself is a part of it. I have so much content on my phone that I now have a new phone to store more content (laughs) <laughs> that have been shared to the world, right? Like it's it's all right here. 
it, it just it hasn't gone anywhere. So for me, it was having that driving force, having that accountability, knowing that I have a producer that's like, where is the show? Or mm-hmm. you talked about something you didn't say you was going to talk about, which is fine, but I still need you to go back and do an episode on the thing you said you were going to talk about. <laughs> um, that accountability piece was so super huge. And for me, living like, you know, a healthy illness, living with mental health diagnoses and being able to do the work, which in this case is the podcast, I knew I needed that accountability. Absolutely. That is one of the biggest things that I feel like I am the biggest help to people on that accountability piece, you know, with the weekly meetings and hey, your listeners, your audience is expecting it. Like we didn't go live at 11 a.m. sharp and people started texting you, right? right? Accountability. My mom just texted me too. Hey, didn't you say you were going live? So we need those people. We all need it, whether we're doing a podcast or doing a business or whatever it is that we say that we are going to show up in the world as there are going to be people who have expectations of us as soon as we announce that we're going to do that thing and they're going to be holding us accountable or they're going to stop checking for us. Like, eh, they they said they were going live on Sunday morning, but they didn't. They went live on Wednesday night. You know, I can't count on them, right? And that's what we have to realize as human beings, stuff comes up. But even if you can't show up, you still have to let people know what's going on. Especially if you're someone who is living with mental health conditions that, you know, sometimes things happen beyond your control. And maybe you can talk a little bit about that as well, how somebody with diagnosis has to navigate the world a little bit differently, but still meet certain expectations or at least, you know, let people know that that's not going to happen as planned. So I get caught up sometimes because I live with official diagnoses, right? And there are folks that do not have an official diagnosis or don't have a mental illness at all, but you still have to learn how to communicate. You still have to learn how to be accountable. You still have to be a responsible human being. Let me say, you don't have to do anything, right? But in this conversation of, of being There's expectations people, there. Yes, yeah. right. And so it's not just people that have a health condition or a mental health condition. It, it's all of us. And so me owning that part, like regardless of me having mental or physical illnesses or conditions, I still need to, like for me, I still want to show up in a certain way, right? Like having a a mental illness is not an excuse for bad behavior, just like having a physical illness isn't an excuse for bad behavior, right? We understand that we can work through our signs and symptoms and implement tools, whether it's therapy, whether it's medication, whether it's mindfulness, whether it's walking, like there's so many things we can do in order to be healthier as human beings, period. You then layer a physical or mental health condition on top of that. There may be more things you need to do, but you still need to to understand that there's expectations placed on you. Whether you decide to meet those expectations or not is your decision but there's still expectations. So along those lines, so for there are some people on the live right now that have been with us from the very beginning, launching this podcast May of 2021 as living the front seat life Mm -hmm. and then transitioning into the Healthy Illness podcast. So I want to go back and give our newcomers an idea of what the front seat life is all about And how living the front seat life is an extension of that on the backs of what you just mentioned, as far as having a mental health condition is not an excuse, right? Right. And I do feel like in general population, general consciousness, there is kind of this, okay, some people use mental health or mental illness as an excuse. and People who don't have it kind of get cringy. If you say you have one, then here comes the stigma. And like, oh, well, they're not going to follow through, right? They're not going to be on top of it. I don't know if I should hire this person because they're going to be unpredictable. And so if you can kind of explain your mission of Front Seat Life with that background. Okay, so Front Seat Life 
was born, I'll say, out of my mental health recovery journey. And so shout out to Cindy and Tareen and Althea joining us on IG. Front Seat Life was my way of developing tools that I needed in order to be healthy. And so that's what Front Seat Life is, right? It's taking ownership of the car. Like we so often, especially in Christianity, there's this saying, you know, Jesus take the wheel. But the word of God said, I've made you in my image, right? Like we are equipped to do so much on our own that we don't do. Like he gave you the ability to make decisions. We have free will. So use it to decide to be healthy or not, right? That That's your free, free will choice. Yeah. But for me, it's owning the car, right? It is owning the responsibilities. I am the driver. I have been given my driver's license called life, right? And it's up for, up to me to decide how I drive this this vehicle. Do I take the highway? Do I take the, the scenic route? Do I stop in at a, at a rest stop? Hey girl, hey, hey Dietra. That's up to me to, to make that decision. So in 2013, I woke up September 4th at ECMC from a suicide attempt and knew that I needed to do whatever I needed to in order to get healthy and stay healthy. I didn't wake up with the desire to live. I didn't wake up like thankful that I was still here, but I accepted that I was here. And in order for me to stay here, I needed to be able to be healthier. All of the like groups and information I saw online and recovery stuff they were all meeting people from a place of, we never want you to be in this place that I was already in. I, I wasn't able to find anything that said, you have laid at the bottom of the ocean. Let's work to ensure that you never get back to that place. And that's what I was missing. Nothing really resonated with me and spoke to where I was. Even in um, like suicidal recovery People were expressing joy and thanks for being alive. And I I was not there. I wasn't that person at that time. And so I I had to figure it out. I was recovering actually in Brylin Hospital. I had this conversation with God, like, listen, you know, I don't want to be here, but I accept your decision. You have to show me how to live if you want me to stay here. And Mm. I don't know where, I wish I could remember like the the light that went off that said, this is it. I don't know if it was a coloring book. I don't know if I was flipping through a Bible. I came across the scripture, Matthew chapter five, verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they would see your good works, which honors your father, which is in heaven. I'm not a big religious person. Yes, I'm a minister, but I'm not an overly religious person. That was the first scripture that I had memorized, even though I'd been Christian my entire life. And that's what I lived by. I didn't have to, because of that scripture, just be the light. Like, let your light so shine. Just be the light. Whatever you do, just be the light. You don't want to live? Fine. Be the light. You don't want to go to work? Fine. Be the light. You want to eat? Fine. Be the light. You don't know what's going to happen with your marriage? Fine. Be the light. You don't know how to talk to your children after a suicide attempt? Fine. Be the light. You don't want to go to work? Fine. Be the light. Like, don't commit to anything. Just be the light. And by doing that one thing, I was able to feed myself. I was able to live through a divorce. I was able to kind of rebuild relationships. And that's still a process with my children. I'm getting teary-eyed just thinking about that. Like, how do you talk to your children after a suicide attempt? And it's hard. And I I didn't about it. I'm also (laughs) mindful of their story and allowing them to grieve, to heal. And so I don't talk about them. I don't talk about my ex-husband. I don't, I don't, I don't talk about my, I only talk about, if you think about it, I only talk about me and my experience. I don't talk about my family because that is their story. I want them to share if they ever decide they want to share. I want them to have a private life if that's what they decide to do. But at the same time, I know that there are people that I'm called to that need to hear my message. And so how do I be personally radically transparent, right? But not include all of the people in my life that I deal with. So it's, mm. it's, it's tough, you know, it's, it's a fine line, but I, I want people to feel comfortable being in my life. I want people to feel comfortable being themselves without worrying if they're going to end up on the podcast, you know, as a, you know, oh my God, I was just talking to fill in the blank person. And they said like, that's not friendship. That's not love. That's not relationship building. And so I am purposeful in 
initially living a front seat life and now healthy illness in only speaking about me and my decisions, my choices, my health, my thought processes, how I may be engaged with a person, but you don't know who that person was. You don't know what role that person plays in my life because regardless of who they are, I can only control my actions. And so what I realized on this journey of front seat life living was that I I live a very healthy appearing lifestyle. Like people, if you don't know me and I don't tell you my story, you don't necessarily know I live with mental health conditions. I've been in and out of therapy since I was nine years old because of, of, of life childhood trauma. And so living as a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, no one knows that story. Like, only the people that are part of that and, and people closest to me under, understand and know the details. You don't need to know the details. I'm a survivor of that specific thing. And because of that, that introduced me to therapy. And so I've spent the majority of my life in some type of therapeutic environment, which, let me say, did not prevent me from developing a mental illness, right? But because of having the tools, because of having a family that was supportive of therapy, of medication, of mental health, I think those protective factors help me be healthier and live a healthy lifestyle. So just like a diabetic, if they eat their vegetables, drink their water, take their insulin if they need insulin, um, get their steps in, if they do all of the things one needs to do, they can live a healthy lifestyle and still be diabetic. And so Mm -hmm. similarly with mental illness, like I live a healthy lifestyle, even though I have these mental illness conditions that are along for the ride. And so I have to remind like my mom, you know, she'll say something and I'm like, lady, that makes sense for someone that's not mentally ill. Like it may not seem like it because we're engaging in a healthy way, but it takes a lot of work for me to show up. It takes a lot of energy for, for me to be healthy. and. I don't take that away from people who, right? Like you could be in the same situation, Jazz, and I wouldn't know. We we don't know when we meet people. We don't know what they're going through. We don't know their history. We don't know their life. We We don't know none of that. And so how do we meet people where they are? And that is what being the light is. Like you could be having the worst day of your life and yet you're smiling, you're energetic, right? I don't know that. And so I can't from a, a be the light and front seat life perspective, I don't want to, you know, T-bone your car because I'm in a funky mood or it looks like you can take it, right? Like yeah. that, that's not being a good driver. That's not being a good friend. That's not being a good human being to me, right? So I'm, I'm only talking about me and my experience and my journey. Absolutely, yeah. If there's somebody that's listening right now who has been identifying themselves by their mental health condition Mm -hmm. or in their mental illness. And that is their persona. Oh yeah. You know, Bob, he's bipolar and he's schizophrenic because every time you see him, he's portraying those symptoms. He's being less than the light. And they've really grabbed onto that because they feel like life has dealt them a bad hand, right? I'm damned, right? There's nothing I can do about it. So I might as well feed into this. With your podcast and your light walking on this planet, you're showing people you don't have to be like that, right? And really, what does it serve you to be like that? Because I believe that we all come to this earth to be an individualized expression of the most high, the creator and source. And the challenges that are placed upon your life are contracted. So whether that's living with a mental health condition or poverty or feeling of separation or you know lack of compassion, you're born with these things so that you can learn the lesson to make you whole and bring you back to the source at the end of your life here on earth. And I feel like so many people just get stuck in the trauma and the drama and they don't give themselves an opportunity to be the light. 
Well, there's two sides to that. One is as mentally healthy people, meaning you, you don't live with an illness, just like a physically healthy person. doesn't. If you're physically healthy, it doesn't mean that you can go run a marathon. It, it doesn't mean that you can go and, and join a, a weightlifting competition. I mean, you could, but, uh, you know, is the body right. prepared for that, right? So similarly with mental health and mental illness, right, there are, are degrees to it. And there are people that are mentally healthy, but make poor choices when it comes to their mental health. There is then a group of us who don't have that same choice because of how the brain is wired or whatever's happening in the body. It reacts in a certain way this notion that we have to fit within this box. And I think that creates a lot of what is labeled as mental illness. But that's a maybe a deeper conversation for another day. But for those folks that either have a diagnosis or live with a, a mental health condition that is not diagnosed, like it was not my choice to be depressed, right? It was not my choice when my brain was at its sickest right? It, it was not my choice to stay in the bed. It wasn't my choice to not shower. It wasn't my choice to cry. It wasn't my choice to want to not live. I didn't choose those things. That was what was happening in my brain with without my permission, quite frankly, right? And so living in that space, like I know one should get up and go to the bathroom. I can't get out of the bed, right? Like the thought process of walking 20 feet to the bathroom was so overwhelming that I got stuck on just kick the covers back, right? Like you got to take the covers off. I couldn't get past that part because once you make the decision to go to the bathroom, you have to take, pull the covers back. You've got to sit up in the bed. You've got to turn your legs over. You've got to move your body over so that you're facing the, the, the door. You've got to stand up. So maybe you need to push up off the bed in order to stand up. Once you're standing up, you've got to take one leg and make it move and make it go forward, but don't lose your balance. And then you have to take the other leg and then that move that one forward and then decide to take the like the overwhelmingness of something as simple as going to the bathroom. When I mean, if you go, to, you just get up and go to the bathroom, like you just get up and go. But everything in those in, in that space of sickness is that type of, of thought process. It's not just pick up the pen and write a note, right? It's let me find a pen. The pen's right in front of my face, right? But I need to find a pen. Oh, it's a green pen. Do I want to use a green pen? Oh, maybe not a green pen because green isn't really a traditional color. So maybe instead of a green pen, I'll use a black pen. I really don't like black ink, but uh, I prefer blue, but not a blue pen, but the blue gel pen. The blue gel pen that doesn't have the super thickness because that stays wet on the piece of paper, but the blue pen that's a gel pen that when you write, it's thick, but but not too thick. It, the, the ink absorbs into the paper. And then, you know, as you move and write several lines, you don't. Girl, that's it. a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. Wow. You don't write nothing. You just sit there staring at the green pen. Wow. Right. And so in, in, in that moment, you got, for me, you got a kid that's hungry. And they need to eat. So. <sighs> mm. I can relate on that tip. Because if I don't plan it out, like at least a day in advance, like, okay, today I'm going to cook. What do I need to be able to cook? What ingredients do I need? What do they like? What do they, what are they not allergic to <laughs> that I can make? How long is it going to take me to make it? Right. Um, all of that stuff. So yeah, I, I, that I can relate there. And that's because cooking is one of maybe two things that I generally just do not like. <laughs> I don't like cooking and I don't like bees. <laughs> so that's like me saying, okay, I have to reach my hand into this beehive to get this honey because we have to have honey. Because somebody said that, you know, my kids say they have to have honey. So I have to figure out a way to get my hand into this hive and get this honey out. That's the way I feel when I walk into a kitchen. And then and that probably like, sounds crazy to some people. Like, what are you talking about? Right. So but that's the only way I can relate. Painful. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so, you know, I'm not here to judge. And so someone would say to you, girl, just go in the kitchen and cook. Just make something. Well, girl, just get up the, out the bed and go to the bathroom. Right. Or just, you know, go take a shower. Like, I used to 
measure like how sick I was by how much my underarm hair grew. Like when I showered, I showered and shaved and like that was it. So there was, again, at my sickest, I wasn't showering often. Um, and I would measure how long it's been by how long my armpit hair grew. Like, it's just wild. Net. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> this is a part of that radical transparency that we're talking about. And for everybody who's just now joining, thank you. This is the 100th episode of Healthy Illness Podcast, hosted mm-hmm. by Kelly Marie on the Jazzcast Pros Network, produced and edited by yours truly, Jazzy T. So welcome in. And we are already 29 minutes in. That's amazingly ridiculously crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So radical transparency is something that you have been acknowledged for. People have wrote articles about your radical transparency, but it became more and more in the public eye as these three years have progressed. You know, we did an episode um, mentioning Simone Biles. And, you know, she put into the mainstream consciousness that self-care is not a luxury, it's a necessity. And so I wanted to kind of take you back to redefining what self-care is, because the first time that you said what you're getting ready to say again, I was like, oh, for real? I thought it literally was just going to get my hair done. You know, it's also layers, right? But we look at, you know, men to be like, you know, my self-care is going to get my hair cut or women be like, you know, my self-care is getting my nails done. That's hygiene. You should take a bath. Take one often. That's hygiene. However, if you consider what goes into that, so there's a difference between bathing, right? And having the house empty, it's quiet. You get time to yourself. You got your candles and your scents going and you're creating an environment that is pleasing to you, that is different than taking a bath, right? So self-care can be bathing, Mm -hmm. but there's more to it than just cleaning your body, right? So men going to the barbershop, it's not the haircut. It's the genuine conversation. It's the being accepted as a man, as a person, as a you know person getting a haircut. It's having somebody to talk to that listens to you. It's not the actual haircut. You cut yourself, you cut your hair in the bathroom. You like, you don't have to go. So self-care is more than just these basic hygienic things that we attach self-care to, right? Self-care mm-hmm. is also therapy. Self-care is also eating healthier or making better choices. Self-care is also saying no. Self-care is saying yes. Self-care is taking a nap in the middle of the day because you're tired and exhausted. Self-care is also setting up rules and barriers and boundaries for yourself so that you don't get exhausted, right? Like there's no requirement in life that says we have to be physically exhausted and pouring out so much of ourselves that we have to take time and refuel. That's not not it. Like we should be giving from a cup that is full, right? Like mm-hmm. I need a full cup, period. Anything over a full cup is what I am then able to share with the world. Yes. So what do you need to get your cup full and to stay full and then give from that place of fullness? Because anything less is a detriment to you and is a detriment to people. If I'm not serving you from, uh, I'll say, a place of 100%, you're not getting all you need. Like I'm I'm not even showing up for you in a way that is beneficial to you. I'm in a bad mood. You need me. And now I got a bad mood. I'm in a bad mood helping you. Well, that's not helpful. Well, girl, you should have. You should have never been in this place to begin with. Now, I told you five years ago that you need. Whoa, whoa. I just asked, you know, for assistance because you're my friend and you told me to call you for help. Right. So if the friend is not in a healthy place, you end up hurting the people that you care about because you are not taking care of yourself. You're not addressing your trauma. You're not addressing your health. You're not addressing your wellness. You're not addressing, you know, the the strides you need to make in your life, right? Like we need to do that for ourselves so that we can be there for other people. Yes, yes, absolutely. There is a lot of things that have changed since you started episode one and now getting ready for episode 100 available on Apple and Spotify and Pandora and TuneIn. Um, and we talked Aww. briefly before we hopped on, you moved to a new house. I did. Right? And that was 
a bit unexpected, right? And so in one of the episodes, you talk about that. How do you, you know, deal with the anxiety and the and the stress of that? You know, you also talked about getting your first brand new car, right? A couple that were new to you over the last three years, but one that was absolutely brand new in that whole decision-making process. Uh, you talked about several vacations, work trips, going out of the country by yourself, right? These are a lot of things that a person that has defined themselves by their mental illness may say, I could never, right? And you're proving that you can, right? You just came back from a trip to India and there were several things that you did in preparation of that trip with a beloved friend of yours that were enabled you to get through that situation where some people again say, oh, no, no, no. I don't like people. I can't. Mm -mm. India? Billions of people? No. Mm -mm. (laughs) I could never. Not happening. Oh, side note. The stats on our listeners from the country of India? Woof. Really? Yes. For the second I published it, they all were like, what these Americans saying about us? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> because so cool. the title is India, you know, my expectations versus reality. So I think that was a, a brilliant title. And uh, it's it's no no negative comments that I've seen so far, but I've noticed they have been flocking over to, to see it. So shout out to everyone listening on the Geo Savan app. That's a big app over in India. And when you come to Jazzcast Pro's, you get on 25 platforms that are popular in different regions across the country. Plug, plug. And so like, that's something (laughs) I couldn't do for myself, right? Like, so back to your original question, my mind space, my brain is so preoccupied. I already told you what it's like on a bad day to go to the bathroom, right? Add a podcast on top. No, thank you. I'm gonna let the experts be the experts. You are the expert in that space. So let me let you do what you do. Yeah. Right. Thank you, Simone. Thank you, Dietra. Thank you, Vicky. Vicky is watching over on IG and she said, yes, cooking is not easy. Amen. And she loves to cook. So she feels you. Amen to that. And thankfully, I have a husband who does love to cook. So works out. <laughs> and so having people that meet you where you are. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and knowing I think a lot of it is knowing um, what you're able to do. So you mentioned moving into this house and um, I, uh, I think we occasionally overuse the word trauma. And so I want to be careful in using that word, but mm-hmm. it was very sensitive. It was a, it was tough for me to move out of my family home into this space. Uh, I grew up in that home. My mother grew up in that home. My kids grew up, um, spent many years growing up in that home. And so I wasn't in a position to buy it when it went on the market and I needed to find a place to move. And so I found this great house, which I rent, and I am now in the position to have to find another home because they're selling this home, right? And so what, and this like is the perfect environment for me. Like it's close to where I need to get to. I live by myself. I don't have to worry about nobody in the driveway or in that, like it, it's really the perfect space. So I'm praying that another perfect space will become available. But knowing how I function, I know Simone, knowing how I function, I could wait and live here until they sell the house and find out from the owners if they want a tenant or not want a tenant, what the rent will be. Like it may be very fine. Like there may be no issues with staying here. However, my brain needs to know where is waking up tomorrow. And I can't live in this space of uncertainty within the areas that I control. So much is uncertain out here that this stuff, I need to know, I need to know where I'm going to live. I could wait, right, and, and, and play it out. But my stress level would be so high. My anxiety level would be high, right? I do well with the unknowns when it comes to things I have no control over, but like Dietra knows, know your role, know your goal. Like that's my new saying, know your role, know your goal. 
in this space, my role is to remain mentally healthy. And my goal is to find some place to live that will allow me to maintain my mental health and wellness, right? So there's some can, places I, I can't move. Can I ask you real quick, though, because I'm in a similar situation. I just found out that my landlord is putting this house up on the market. But he assured, he was like, well, nothing's going to change with your lease. And I'm like, yeah, well, the current lease. But what about when it's time to renew the lease? And I right now I'm just like, well, I'll cross that road when I get there. So with you, like, I'm going to start looking now. If you do have the opportunity to stay in that house, but you've already done all the work looking and possibly finding another place, would you still move or would you stay granted that opportunity? Because I know I feel, I would feel like, man, I already did all of this work to find this place. I've been stressing about this for months. Like I already have my mind made up. I'm going to move. Yeah. It's for me, because my day job is so stressful. You know, I work in a space where we talk a lot about race and health and wellness, and that is physically exhausting to do that work, even though it's, it's all in my head. Like I'm not lifting anything. I'm not, but it is physically exhausting to do this work every day. My home is my peace of mind. It's my safe space. And I need to ensure that that is maintained. And in order for me to do that, that means for me, I need to begin to find a place to move. If they sell the house and the new owners are like, we're not going up on the rent and, you know, whatever, you don't have to shovel, like whatever the, the case may be, I would stay. I have no desire to find movers, hire movers, like that's more expense. Rents in Buffalo are ridiculous for no reason. And so that's a, a space that I'm a path of least resistance person when it comes to that. There are certain things, there's actually an excellent um, point, like there are certain things at this point of my life that... I have realized I need, right? Like I need to be able to pull into a parking space and not have to worry about whether or not I got some place to park. I need to not be disturbed. Like music doesn't bother me. I live with uh, the hearing loss. So what noise bothers other people, I literally don't hear. So I'm not worried about being around noisy people, but I, I need a washer and dryer in the home. I need oh. utility, like I need a, a stove and refrigerator because when I left that space, I had uh, my appliances were on point, but I gave them away. I didn't need them. I was moving into a space that had them. I'm not spending money on that no more. Like I've, I have decided. So wherever I go, it needs to have those things in the space because I've, I've, I've decided that. So that kind of adds to the issue of where you can and where you can't move, but. Got it. I wanted to ask you your intentions on why you wanted to start a podcast three years ago, kind of your expectations, right? So what did you want a listener to get from tuning into Living the Front Seat Life? And now, what do you feel has been the impact of the Healthy Illness podcast? Here we are in February of 2024. Well, it boggles my mind that we've been doing this since 2021. Big shout out to Adrian V. I see you over on IG. I initially wanted a space to be able to share my story, right? to share and change the conversation around mental health, to give people a place where they could talk freely about mental health. There's so much contention and disagreement, especially within the Black community, about what mental health is and what mental health isn't. At the point that we started the podcast, we were in the middle of the pandemic, and I needed to still be able to reach people because I wasn't able to do events anymore. And so I had a series, The Color of Crazy, that was very popular. Uh, and I, I brought people together that live with mental health conditions to talk about their mental health conditions to the community. And so we we covered a wide range of topics uh, and diagnoses so that community members could talk to people living with these illnesses and conditions and just realize, I mean, they're literally their brothers and sisters and cousins and mothers and brothers and aunties and uncles and grandmas and like we're we're just people. And to hear people talk about taking medication, to hear people talk about going to therapy, to hear people talk about being hospitalized, having 
people talk about being schizophrenic and hearing voices and being able to live a healthy lifestyle, even though they may still hear those voices, right? Like how they have grown to be able to differentiate between what is and is not real. So that was my desire to figure out how to continue that conversation in a space that reached people. Yeah, you definitely did that. And I think that a lot of people got into podcasts, either hosting one or listening to one for that connection, right? And then we went back to work, we went back to school, and a lot of people stopped doing their podcast, right? But you decided to continue. Quick fun fact, at least 50% of podcasters who start a podcast stop around episode eight. (laughs) <laughs> we are 100 100 you know what i'm saying so like you have beat out a good 80 percent of people who ever started a podcast period right and the only ones that are kind of like along the same line have been podcasting since like 2017 2018 things like that and i'm gonna tell you they're not black women with mental health conditions these are white men who initially kind of started the podcast part, right? Like it really got into the tech and all of that. And it was much harder to start a podcast back there, back then. And it was not as open and diverse as it is now. So those are the type of people who are on episode 150 or 200 and things like that, you know, but you've done it and you did have to take some breaks. So people were doing the math three years ago, every week. Mm. 52 weeks, you should be at 150, easy. (laughs) But you had to take some breaks and you communicated that with me, right? You said, okay, look, I'm going to have to take, I'm going to take this month off, right? I'm going to take a couple of weeks off. I'm going to come back though, right? I'm always, I'm going to come back. You had that intention. Like, I'm going to come back. Just give me a minute. And I said, all right. And that's one thing that I've learned as a person who does not live with mental health conditions does not have anyone else openly talking about it. I'm not going to say that nobody else else around me has it, but they don't talk about it really. Mm -hmm. And it's helped me to understand what is going on with you so that I can be a better friend to you. And uh, one of the ways I got to be face-to-face with this was in Denver. So you met me in Denver for the largest podcast conference in the world called Podcast Movement. Podcast Movement. And Denver. And there were so many things about my normal way of being and personality. It's like, <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I'm going to come a little late. You know, I'm going to come and then I'm going to go in my room and chill and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm like, Wait, no, there's seminars happening. We got to go meet this person. We got to network. We got to get our shirts on. We got to, you know, but I was like, <laughs> I, I saw you in the halls. I was, oh, you're here. Great. You're like, yep. I'm about to go to my room. I'm like, but the, the conference. Okay. Okay, Kelly. I will see you when you're ready. <laughs> but it's but internally, I'm like, no. <laughs> you're going to miss that, something. And that was a short I was only there 24 hours. Like I, I only came with a book bag. I was like, I'm coming in because I wasn't coming because I didn't want to go. But I'm like, my flight's already paid for, hotel's already paid for. Kelly, just get on the plane and just come back tomorrow. Like, just just do it. And so that's interesting though, because I because I've traveled so much for work, it's not it's not sexy. It's just like a long distance work meeting. When I got there, I was tired because I got up super early to fly back, you know, you know, to Denver and then got there and was like, I just need a nap. I need a break away from people. So I love people, but I can't do people for a long period of time. That includes like going through the airport and being on an airplane. Like I'm not talking to them, but just having them in my physical space. Like I needed, I just needed to be by myself. And I know that about myself. And so instead of me showing up mean and, and hangry and cranky, around you and possible sponsors and business folk, like, I know I need to separate myself at least for a time. Let me take a shower. Let me take a nap, whatever. And then I'm show like, up. I'm like a nap. Yeah. You was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, come on, let's go. Like, I've been waiting for you to get here. I mean, so we did have eight people from the podcast, Jazzcast 
podcast network that did come. Some of them had been there for days, even before I got there, because they wanted to come and take in the scenery. Um, others had got there, you know, the night before. Um, and then others, you know, had just got there that morning. And then you came in the afternoon. And so I was excited just to get you all together. A lot of you have never met. So I was just excited. Like, we're all going to get together and this is going to be great. But I had to recognize and understand, you know, people need space. People have to do their own thing, you know, and that's one of the biggest things that I have come across or have learned by editing your podcast and seeing, you know, the impact that it's had on other people as well that can relate. You know, some of them are on the live stream right now. I'm not going to call them out, but they're like, wow, it's helping me to understand my own diagnoses. They share diagnoses with you, you know, like, and I'm like, yeah, now it's helping me to, I don't like the phrase deal with you, but in a way it is interact better. Show um, up. Yeah. Show up as a better friend. And so, yeah, I think it's really important for people, not only who are going through similar things internally, but also the friends and family and support system of people who are also going through these, these things. And I think it's tough to find the words when you're in it, right? Like at least for me, when I'm, in the midst of, I have very mild episodes compared to, you know, years ago, but it is difficult for me to articulate then in in the midst what my needs are because I'm I'm trying to manage. Like I'm I'm just trying not to go back to, to the hospital. So whatever I got to do, and if that's hurt your feelings, then my goal, like know your role, know your goal. My goal is to not be hospitalized, right? So that may look like me not showing up. It may look like me being short or canceling an appointment or being distant. Like my goal is to remain mentally healthy. And so that may look different to you because your goal is not the same, right? Your goal is to to be my friend, to be my producer, to hang out, like whatever we said we were going to do, the, the goal is different. And so sometimes I think for, for folks that don't have to experience it, and even for me, so I have friends that have mental health conditions. And so I have to remember, just because I'm feeling good, don't mean that they feel good, right? Like I need mm-hmm. to, to be aware of how I show up for them. And yes. so- um, Vicky, Twin Mama Meals for You over in IG said, I believe a ton of people struggle mentally and don't have that clinical diagnosis equaling a ton of folks. I agree. And so not only do they not have a diagnosis, but they haven't done the work, and it just isn't a knock, but haven't done the work to be able to understand what's happening to them. And so mm-hmm. they respond angrily or they respond being distant in, in a hurtful way. They respond by not showing up when... I mean, they just, they don't, they don't even realize why they're responding in the way that they respond and they mm-hmm. want to respond differently, but can't, mm-hmm. they don't have the words to articulate what's happening because they haven't been taught the words. Like I, I only know what I know about mental health and wellness. Cause I've been in therapy since I was nine. I became a peer advocate, right? I've taken the classes. I've done the work. Yeah. Otherwise I would probably be in the depths of fill in the blank, you know, episode. And so what an episode now looks like is not what an episode looked like 10 years ago. Now mm-hmm. it's, I'm, I'm aware. Uh, it's kind of like a, like a ship caught up in a, a cyclone um, mm-hmm. whirlpool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that ship, once they realize they're in a whirlpool, as they start to circle around, they only got a limited amount of time before they're stuck in that. And there's no way that they get out until it spits them out. Right. And so if you are stuck in the midst of that whirlpool, it's only a couple ways to get out of that situation. Whereas if you recognize it as soon as the boat starts circling in the wrong direction, right? It's like, oh, wait, we got to change course. Something's not right. So my episodes now tend to be in the, oh, no, I have to change course space versus the the deep within the whirlpool, highly medicated or hospitalized or sick in the bed. Like I, I tend to not be in that deep space anymore because I've identified the signs. I identified the symptoms. I do my self-care. I do the work. Like it takes a lot of work to be healthy and that's okay. Right. So when I come home from work, I might not, I mean, I, my, my schedule empty. That doesn't mean I need something on it. That's a part of my self-care is coming yeah. home on Thursdays and Fridays and not having nothing to do. 
right? Mondays yeah. is board meeting days. Tuesdays is our meeting day. Wednesdays Bible study day. And not like taking up the whole evening. Our meeting is how long? Half hour, hour? Yeah. I have nothing else scheduled on Tuesdays. That's it. Yeah. Like that's the only thing besides going to work, right? A board meeting is an hour, hour and a half maybe on a Monday. I belong to a couple of boards. If you're meeting then on Monday, I can't help you. And I only have one Monday that's available, right? Like I have- And that's to- excellent. That's an excellent practice of self-care and saying, all right, I'll jump on your board, but I do board meetings on Monday. So if your board meeting is on, you know, Friday or Sunday morning, no, I can't available. be on your board. That takes a lot of courage because so many people want to please other people all the time as well. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's great because you're like, yeah, I want to help out and all of that, but it has to work for me, you know? And so some people, you know, like, oh, well, that's being selfish. Well, maybe it is, but it's part of my self care and that's what I'm doing. And that's what I'm willing to offer. So take it or leave it. You know, that's another great thing that I have learned by listening and producing these episodes and other people as well have, have shared that like, wow, you know, I didn't really think of it in that way. You think of it of how society tells you, you know, people, please, you know, do everything for everybody. You can, yourself can come last. And th- we're entering into a new age where it's like, okay, we are here to be individualized expressions of God. And we have to take care of ourselves in order to complete that mission. We have to. Your one job is to take care of you so that you can then do the work, right? Like, Otherwise, who are you showing up for and how are you showing up? Mm-hmm. And so people will ask, and like, well, how do I set boundaries? How do I tell people no? How mm-hmm. do I, you know, resign from the board? Dear yeah. board president, I am resigning from this board. Sincerely. Like, that's how you do it. How do Absolutely. you tell people no? No. And it may hurt. <laughs> you might be afraid. You might like. I'm not saying that there's no feelings attached to this, right? But that's how you do it. You say no. You can okay. step your way. Go ahead. So Kelly, I want to be respectful. So we're coming up on an hour. So many people want to know where are you? Because our most explosive episodes are with Chef Alexa and you talk about your sugar addiction, right? <laughs> and you know, you gave up sugar for a time went on a trip where there was like a well-renowned bakery staring you in your face, right? You put yourself to the ultimate test and people want to know now, like, where are you in that part of the journey? Beyond the no means no heal, right? Can you, is it, it, just say no? You know, there's also sometimes and maybes too. (laughs) So last year I had back surgery. When I was in the hospital, I was diagnosed as being diabetic. And uh, that was really life-changing for me because had it not been for the surgery and had it not been for me overindulging in sugar in the hospital, I would have never gotten that diagnosis, which means I would still not be diagnosed today, right? So mm-hmm. that is a, um, we talk about perspective and gratitude. Like I'm thankful that I had the sugar issues I had because if I did not, I would have never gotten the diabetes diagnosis until I was probably over so diabetic that there were some other symptoms and would have needed medication and, you know, a whole bunch of yeah. other stuff. So they're talking about that cyclone again. So yes. you're just like right there and you're right. like, okay, there's the exit, but instead of. Right. Yep. And, and so that's really what happened. I mean, I've been able to reintroduce sugar into my diet, but I don't have the, like the draw that I so, had. Like it doesn't have so, the same hold on me. So no more um, Kool-Aid paste? No. So I stopped that as a child. Well, no, I did have it as an adult. But okay, not like an adult adult, like an early young adult. Mm. But no. That no was one of the Kool-Aid things that I was like, she really said that. I would have tucked that one in the closet. Uh, <laughs> for those of you who missed the episode uh, where she talked about um, as a child, she would take packets of Kool-Aid. And, you know, a bunch of sugar and just a little 
bit of water. So, you know, how you make Kool-Aid and it's like mostly water. No, just a little bit of water just to make like a little paste, get a spoon and eat it. And I was like, Ugh. I was like, that sounded gross to me. So delicious. Um, <laughs> but it was so delicious to you. And it's something that you felt comfortable enough sharing. I was like, wow, like, girl, you got it going on. And I've been in broadcasting for 24 years. And it's like so many things about myself that I would never uh, share but it's a part of your process of helping other people to say, look, yeah, I did it. I don't do it anymore. And this is how I got to a place where I don't do it anymore. Yeah. And it's been having friends and family listen. Like my mother was like, oh, so that's where my orange juice went. Because I also <laughs> used to eat the frozen orange juice. Um, yeah. It, like, I would just, like, yeah. Pop, like pop it open and eat it like ice cream. Like a uh, popsicle. It, <laughs> it was delicious. And so I still, my mouth is starting to water a little bit. So I still, I'm like, hmm, orange juice, frozen, delicious. It's So it's still there, right? We're just having a conversation about it. I'm like, hmm, Kool-Aid sugar and frozen orange juice concentrate. But for whatever reason, I don't know why as a child I was like drawn to sugar. Although I did learn that one of my childhood babysitters used to make orange juice and add sugar to it. And so my mom walked in and was like, what, what the heck are you doing? And so I blame that. I'm, I don't know who she is, so I could blame her. I blame that lady for my introduction to sugar at such an early age. But again, if I'm going through it, I mean, maybe people don't eat Kool-Aid sugar, maybe it's Snickers bars, right? Maybe it's bread and not, you know, sugar. Like there, people, I believe, need to know that they're not alone. And so... Regardless of what your thing is, I mean, it could be cocaine. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, an addiction is an addiction. It it, it doesn't matter what the thing is that you're addicted yeah. to. Sugar is yeah. generally accepted, right, yeah. where other drugs are not. I'm also not minimizing substance use and substance use, the, the cycle of substance use. What I am saying, though, is there is a place in space for recovery and we have to be able to use those kind of words when we're talking about something that seems simple, like sugar. I mean, sugar's killing people. It, it's literally it really is. killing yeah. people. And it's it's accepted. They put it in toothpaste. Why is there sugar no. in toothpaste? That makes no sense, right? Mm-hmm. Not to go on the conspiracy, sugar, you know. Oh, yeah. You, you, you know, I'm just like, mm, yeah. I got so many things. I mean, Americans are the fattest people on the planet for a reason, right? Like, and this is not about choice. So also, we're not going to go down that road. Let's let's talk about something else. So sugar, diabetes, I'm doing better. I've lost over 50 pounds since yes. having that diagnosis. And I feel like my old healthy person self, I'm able to do more in addition to being able to walk. I mean, like the surgery was like top notch. Those, those bars they got back there holding my spine together are like... <laughs> A one, like best ten dollar copay I've I've ever you know paid. For. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and so side note too for anyone who is thinking about having back surgery and maybe you can remind me exactly what kind it was, but um, they're finding a lot of value in that episode that you were radically transparent in as well about going in, you know what the thing was like, advocating for yourself in the hospital, and just. For them to understand, okay, well, yeah, they're literally going to put bars, you know, in your back. You're going to have a long scar, you know, all of that type of stuff has been very helpful to people who were like, yeah, I'm thinking about having this surgery. They said I need to have it, but I need to know what to expect, you know. Um, So we thank you for being so open and honest about your life and physically and mentally as well as emotionally and relationships and all of the things, because most of us would never, could never, don't want to, but you're doing it from a place of service. And we love you for that. Thank you. Also, that's a part of, of why I'm here, right? Is to be radically transparent in ways other people can't be because they don't have to be, right? You don't, you don't have to tell the story. I will, right? Like I've been there. So let me share what I went through so other people can better understand. I don't take for granted the time that I have on this planet. Like when I think about the surgery and what I, like I was preparing to live a mobility challenged life. Like I was looking at apartments with wheelchair access. I was 
prepare like all right god i didn't sign up for this and we did not agree upon this on september 4th but if this is what i got to do then so be it and when i talk to people shout out to bobby d and shout out to tammy will just join shout out to you guys you know robert is a close friend of mine and would like in hindsight was like yeah you were you became a different person during that time not a different person but i had accepted that my life was changing and nothing said that my life was going to change. I was confronted with the the, the back issue, but nothing said, like no doctor said that you're going to be like this for the rest of your life. What he did say was, if you didn't get this surgery, you'll be paralyzed. But I got the surgery. Oftentimes we will, at least for me, oftentimes I, so I'm, I'm learning to make sure I use my I statements. Oftentimes I will try and worst case scenario, a situation, and I prepare for that worst case scenario. And by often, I mean all the time, like that's how I think. And so for me in that, that space of the back surgery, worst case scenario was you will be paralyzed. How do you live being paralyzed? But I was not able to appreciate, I think maybe some of the space I was in because I was focused on preparing for that worst case scenario. And so to be able to walk, like after the surgery with still having anesthesia in my body, I was able to walk more immediately following surgery than I was prior to surgery. And so that was just an incredible experience and lesson to me about assuming the worst, right? Like don't assume, maybe prepare, consider, but don't assume that this is what your life is going to be like. And so the same thing for mental health, right? Don't assume that this is what your life is always going to be like. Will you always have challenges? Perhaps. Will you always need to take medication? Perhaps. But there, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. If we could be more mindful and aware of mental health challenges in young people and get them preventative care, be able to address uh, crisis the first time around, people would be healthier as adults. I mean, the the research shows that. And so I do what I can by sharing my life to show that, again, I was in therapy at nine and I still had mental health conditions pop up, including suicidal ideation and suicide, two suicide attempts, one as a teenager, one as an adult. I still believe, though, that because of the therapy, the protective factors, having a family that was supportive, having insurance that allowed me to, to be able to go to therapy and get medication Having all of those things, having insurance that allowed me to be an inpatient and get the services I needed, like all of those things helped me be healthier today. A lot of people don't have that. I don't take those things for granted. And at the same time, I know that we can all be healthier if we address things in a preventative way versus this reactive. We wait until someone is laying at the end of the ocean, at the bottom of the ocean to be able to say, oh, maybe they need help. Like maybe we could have gave him a life jacket, like while they were still right. on the boat. Right. Like don't don't jump overboard. Like there's so many so many preventative pieces, right, to mitigate that one situation. And so that that is how the system needs to change in order to better address mental health. That is the work that I do, even in my day job, to change our conversations around mental health, so that people can say, "I need help." When they first notice right? That they're going and circling around before they're deep in the midst of that spiral. I had the storm. Yeah. All right. Well, do you want to close this out here? Thank you. Thank you, Jazz. Thank you, everyone that has listened. Thank you for everyone that has been a guest on the show. Thank you for all the listens. Thank you for the love people listen that I never in a million years thought, you know, would be listening to the podcast. I also realized I don't talk about the podcast enough. Like people like, you have a podcast? I'm like, how do you not know I have a podcast? 100 episodes. Yes, we did. Because I didn't say anything about it. Like, why would you know if I didn't tell you about it? Right. So even though you're not very self-promotional, you have close to 20,000 downloads. Yes. You are touching people all over this planet. Absolutely. Hi. 
Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Kelly. The host of Getting Real with Bossy, the real, raw, and honest podcast about small business ownership. We created Bossy to be a safe place to ask the hard questions and to get support that's necessary. With our experience, nine businesses in over 25 years, we continue to bear it all and share what we wish we had known. We move past the must-be-nices and start getting real. Come along as we interview small business owners and get the true story. Leave with another tool for the next time you feel alone on this journey. Business ownership leads to unexpected knowledge. What are you an expert at? Tell us at Getting Real with Bossy and subscribe today. Thank you, Tarine are interested in uh, being a guest or a sponsor or somehow involved, how do they reach out to you? On IG or Facebook at The Front Seat Life or email frontseatlife at gmail.com. The show itself is available on all of the platforms, like whatever platform you could possibly think of, we're there. Why? Because of Jazz Cats Pros Network. If you are interested in starting your own podcast, right? Like do it, just, just do it. Whether it's a polished episode that a producer produces or, or you doing it yourself, do it. Just go out there and do it. There is somebody waiting to hear your voice. There are people that need to hear from you. You have expertise and experience in the thing that you're talking about. Just do it, do it afraid, do it scared, do it worried, do it unsure, do it, ask just yeah, please, please do. Thank you. Thanks, mom. <laughs> if you need someone to talk to, please dial 988. It is um, the talk line. There are um, certified people that confidentially will talk to you. Um, no insurance is required. If you're looking for um, resources, you could uh, type 211 in your browser on your phone or call 211 in your neighborhood uh, and or from wherever you are. And if you're in the continental U.S., they can give you resources in your area specific to your needs. So those are the two um, big resources that I'd like to share with people. 988 if you need someone to talk to and 211 if you are looking for resources. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Here is to uh, the next 100. To the next 100. Thank you, guys. Thanks, uh, everybody that's on IG, Facebook, um, LinkedIn, Super Scary. Yeah, I'm drinking my coffee with my Snickers creamer. Cheers. Thank you. And love you guys. Bye. If you're a woman looking to grow your business, increase brand awareness, and reach a wider audience, JazzCast Pros is here to help. Our podcast network is dedicated to helping women like you create your own podcast. With our expert team handling the technical aspects, you can focus on connecting with your audience. Get the support you need to start your podcast and take your business to the next level. JazzCast Pros, that's the power of podcasting.